Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hi there, online church. Well, here we are, Book of Galatians, the very last week, and we're looking at Galatians chapter 6. I hope that you got a lot out of this book. I hope you availed yourself of the daily devotions and the midweek studies. If you didn't, they're going to stay up online for a little while. So uh, please get stuck in and make sure that you really grow in the Word of God. Well, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let's read. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us from your word. You'd reveal to us the truth about who you are so that in turn, Lord, we might have a revelation of who we are because of who you are. Lord, help us to see, help us to understand and help us to apply in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever heard this statement, you reap what you sow? Maybe you've heard it like this, you reap what you sow. Or maybe you've heard a version of it like uh, when someone falls over and they're a really nasty person and you've heard people go, <laughs> karma. Or maybe you've heard it like this, life is like an echo. What you send out, you receive back. Maybe you've heard Dave from Survivor say, I'm just trying to send some positive vibes out into the atmosphere. Maybe uh, you've heard, you get what you give, all these things. Well, it's actually stated before the passage that we just read, and it says, God is not mocked, you reap what you sow. And Paul is not doing some karma-driven platitude. He's saying, this is a, a principle that we see in nature. You reap what you sow. You sow wheat, you get wheat. You sow barley, you get barley. You sow sorghum, you get sorghum. You sow grapes, you get grapes. I'm not sure if that's how grapes work, but in any case, you reap what you sow. It's a, a principle in nature. And Paul's saying more than that, it's not just a principle in nature. This is actually a spiritual principle that is at work in our lives. And, and in this letter, when Paul says God is not mocked, he is using a word mocked that is in nowhere else in the Bible. So scholars have to look to where it's used in literature in the same era, and it's used to sneer, to turn up your nose at someone like <coughs> like that. And Paul's saying essentially, God is not, you can't turn up your nose at God. You can't sneer at God. You can't contemptuously reject God. God is God and he has principles at work. And one of them is you reap what you sow. Don't try and think that you can just throw off the principles of this world that exist. You can't escape them. So he's saying, you know, what? You, you do good, you, you get good. You, you do bad and you get bad. Except that, Paul, you've just spent the whole letter debunking that Jewish system of do good, get good, and, and, and you get your salvation through works. What? What are you thinking, Paul? Well, actually, it's not doing that at all. It is not uh, confusing the issue. It is not contradicting the issue. It's not even compromising on the issue. In fact, it's actually a beautiful conclusion to what he's talked about. He is bringing us a beautiful gospel presentation and he's bringing it to an end. So he started it at the start of Galatians and now he's finishing it. This is how he outlines it through the book of Galatians. One. 
God is the one who calls us. So Paul starts by articulating that he heard from God, that at the start he heard from God and God was the one who drew him to himself. Now, We've talked about that in previous weeks and and not many of us get the same experience that Paul got with being knocked off a donkey by a bright light. Let's face it, not any of us, but still God was the one who called us as well. Without him, there's no way that we could respond to the good news about Jesus Christ without God calling us and drawing us. Now, when we get there, when we get to that place, we can respond negatively or we can respond positively, but we couldn't even get to a place of being able to respond without God drawing us first. First, Galatians chapter one, verse one. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. Galatians chapter one, verse one. So that's number one. God is the one who calls us. Number two, the only thing we need to do is trust in what Jesus has done. That's all that was ever required from us going our own way. It was paid by Jesus laying down his life. God, the son entering our suffering as a human saying, I'll take the necessary judgment. So all we need to do now is to trust in what Jesus has already done. From there, keeping the Old Testament law doesn't make us any better and not keeping it doesn't make us any worse. Uh, 613 commandments, 365 negative ones don't. 248 positive ones do. And Paul is saying this, the time of the do and or don't do system is done. The system is now what Christ has done for us. The time of the done has come. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Number one, God is the one who calls us. Number two, the only thing we need to do is to trust in what Jesus has done. Number three, God gives us his Holy Spirit. This is not only awesome because God comes and dwells with us, God with us all the time, his presence with us, his presence indwelling us. Not only that, that's awesome all on its own. That's legit the best thing ever. But not only that, he gives us power. His Holy Spirit gives us power to change, power to live this Christian life, power to understand what we didn't understand before, power to say no where we couldn't say no before, power to say yes when we couldn't say yes before. That's what his Holy Spirit does. Galatians chapter three, verse two, you received the spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ and his spirit changes us from the inside out. Galatians chapter five, verse five, but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith, the righteousness God has promised us. So number one, it's God who calls us. Number two, the only thing we need to do is trust in what Jesus has done. Number three, God gave us his Holy Spirit. And number four, we must now walk in freedom from our works. Our old systems and mindsets compel and propel us toward old ways of thinking. We need to realize that we've been set free. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and be hyper vigilant when we're switching back to old ways of thinking. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse one. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery again to the law. Number five, God's freedom looks different. Freedom is not the same as unrestraint, entitled unrestraint. It's not the same. Freedom is not the same as entitled unrestraint. Say that 16 times fast. The old milk song. 
um, if you are my age, which is very, very young. Do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah. That old Milk song is not right. Freedom does not mean that you just get to do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be. That is not the case. It's not everything is awesome. I can just do whatever I like. Like we talked about last week, the things that we feel like we want to do quickly become our master and we become slave to them rather than us experiencing freedom. We feel like we're free, but we find ourselves quickly enslaved again. So God's freedom looks different. Number six, um, oh, but first a verse from Galatians. Galatians chapter five, verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Number six, now we have freedom for works. What? We have freedom from works, but we have freedom for works. That is the good news of God's redemption plan for humanity. Um, we don't have to do, do, do to make ourselves right with God, but because we are right with God, now we get to do, do, do. We don't have to do, do, do. We get to do, do, do. And it is awesome because God lives in us. So our great and generous God who held nothing back from us equips us to be able to and even have the desire to give and give and give because we reflect the one who dwells with us. We are servant-hearted because of the one who dwells with us. Galatians 5.13, instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. So number one, God is the one who calls us. Number two, the only thing we need to do is trust in what Jesus has done. Number three, God gives us his Holy Spirit. Number four, we walk in freedom from works. Number five, God's freedom looks different. And number six, now we have freedom for works. How amazing is that? A beautiful presentation of the gospel, the start of Galatians right through to the finish of Galatians. Paul has outlined the whole master redemption plan. So as Paul has said, if neither circumcision or uncircumcision matters anymore, what does matter? Well, what, 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 what do we do now? If we don't go out, rush out and get circumcised, what, what do we do now? I wish that I could find an answer to that. I don't know. I wish it was like here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts. So if you want to know the only thing that counts, let's read on. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul says circumcision, uncircumcision, unimportant. The only thing that counts is faith in Jesus Christ, obviously, expressing itself through love. This freedom that is found in receiving grace is not a free ticket on the heaven train. It's not like we stand before God and God says, I know that you like you say that you follow me, but you pretty much just did whatever you wanted to do. And when my Holy Spirit said, hey, that's not cool, you were like, ah, I don't care, whatever. It's not like we stand before God and go, Oh yeah, you got me, God. I know, I know. I, I really wanted to somewhere in my heart, but I'm such a rascal. I, I'm just a scam. But you know what, God? Look, 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 look. Grace. I got grace. God's like, ah, no, that's not how my grace works. My grace calls you higher. There's a response to my grace that is incumbent upon the people who receive it. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's an equipping grace that equips you to live the life that I always meant you to live. And we're like, oh, <laughs> um, it's by your fruit that I will know you, God says. 
It's by, by their fruit that I know them. Your faith needs to express itself through love. And if your faith tends to express itself through words like antinomianism, that's for mainly me, then that's not what God wants. Love is the go-to. Galatians chapter 5, we read it last week, but it's so nice that we got to read it twice. Verse 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So today, I just want to give you three really quick myths about faith expressing itself through love. Number one, myth number one is love means I accept where everyone is up to. They're on their journey. They're just on their journey. That is not what the Bible asks us to do. Now, for those who don't believe in God, then a hundred percent, we have no reason to even judge them. They're not in our, they don't stick to, they're not a part of the moral code that we've signed up to. They're not asking the, um, the Holy Spirit to guide them. They haven't been redeemed. Why on earth would we suggest that someone who doesn't even have the same worldview as us would have the same behavior as us? That's ridiculous. But nor does it mean that we then flick that on to our fellow believers. Well, they're just on a journey. They're just on a journey. Here's what Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back of the, on the right path. Now, the end of this verse says that you could end up there in a heartbeat. So don't think that you're any better. Like don't, as you're helping them, suggest that somehow you're morally superior to them. That's not the case. You could end up there tomorrow. But it says that you need to gently and humbly return them. If, if your friend, love, does not let your friend that you're watching on, who's about to hit a bindi patch that you know about, and you're like, oh, they're on a journey. Oh, <laughs> they're on a journey. They just got to find their way. No, you have the resources and the ability to say, hey, you're about to walk into a patch of bindis. That's a world of pain. I can see some cat heads in there. This is the northwest of New South Wales. No, no, you don't, you don't let your friend, love doesn't let your friend walk into pain. Love restores them back to the right path and says, here, there's no bindies here. There's no bindies in your future if you walk this way. But it says that you need to do it gently because you're not a know-it-all. No one likes a know-it-all. And humbly because you know that you're a fallible human as well. So love does not mean I accept where everyone is up to. Love means I gently instruct and gently restore and humbly help. Myth number two, love minds its own business. Love minds its own business, not my business. No, love bears each other's burdens. Now, uh, verse two of Galatians chapter six, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. This is really cool because Paul has just argued against the law of Moses for the whole book in terms of that won't get you right. But here he says, there's a law of Christ that says that you have to share each other's burdens. Verse three, if you think you are too important to help someone else, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's a good reminder for all of us this morning. Myth number two, love minds its own business. No, love bears each other's burdens. And this takes proactivity because people don't often ask for help. And maybe it's not that you don't know. I'm sorry, it's not that you don't care. It's just that you don't know. So you've got to be, we've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit to instruct us and to show us people to put that spotlight on people that we should be helping right now and, uh, and enabling us to even ask, hey, do you need my help? And making it part of our life to help others, being ready to help. 
Myth number three, because of this brotherly love, I can do my own thing until someone pulls me up. Well, we know deep down that that's just not the case. We want to let ourselves off the hook. We want to get away with our stuff for as long as possible, but we know that's not right. Paul makes it clear anyway in verse four. He says this, pay attention. No, he doesn't. He says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. This is not minding your own business. This is extreme ownership. It's I'm ready to accept a difficult conversation. I'm ready to have a difficult conversation. I'm ready to initiate a difficult conversation, but I will ensure as much as it depends on me that no one's needing to have a difficult conversation with me. I want to continually search my heart. I want to read the scriptures and allow them to lay me bare. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit convict me and respond to that because I don't want someone to have to have that conversation with me. I, I want to be able to be ready for what might ever, what might happen and what God might be leading me to. This is a, as much as it depends on me. I'll listen to God's Holy Spirit in, at work in my life. I'll apply the word of God. I'll live what I preach. I'll, I'll smoke what I'm selling. That's an analogy. Love cares enough to tell you that you continue in that way. It, that if I'm looking at my friend, if I'm looking at a fellow believer in Christ, love cares enough to look at them and say, if you continue in that way, there's a world of pain up ahead. If I love them, then that's the conversation I'm having. Love cares enough and knows that it's selfish to only think about myself, but also that I do need to take full responsibility for myself. So Paul finishes his letter by explaining this wonderful freedom that we've been given, freedom from the law of Moses, free from a do, don't do system and replaced with the law of Christ, which is something that has been done that enables us to love and serve others with everything. So let's not, tired of, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I wonder if today you're watching and maybe the first time or maybe you've been a bit curious for a long time and you're like, wow, Bron, I actually can see that. that that's what I've felt like Christianity should look like. I felt like it, it shouldn't be people just doing their own thing or it shouldn't be people in this kind of moral hierarchy or moral superiority. I can see that what Paul's talking about is, is actually super attractive and, and what I feel drawn to. Well, today I would love to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for that person who's feeling like that. I pray, Lord, that they would accept you today. I pray that they would pray a simple prayer that says, Lord, I'm sick of going my own way and I want to go your way. Lord Jesus, come and be the boss of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And I pray, Lord, that as they pray that simple prayer, Holy Spirit, that you'll come and seal that that prayer, that you'll let them know that truly they are redeemed, that they are saved, that they are a child of God. Lord, I pray that you would instruct them on next steps and help them and guide them and lead them in your way everlasting. Maybe today you've heard this message and gone, oh, you know what? I feel a little bit of conviction going on. I feel like I've just let my um, 
fellow believers just do whatever the heck they like and I know that that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And maybe you're someone who's like, well, I've just lived a bit of a selfish Christian life. Or maybe you're someone who's thought, no, I don't really want to take responsibility for my own life. Well, if any of those things are the case, then what we're going to do today is pray a simple prayer of repentance that says, I want to turn around and I want to be different uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if that's you today, I'd pray that you'd um, listen to these words and that you would agree with them authentically in your heart. And then we're going to finish by praying an Andy Stanley prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we repent of the ways that we've been selfish. Lord, being selfish by just wanting to do our own thing, being selfish by letting other people do their own thing, even when we can see it's going to end badly. Lord, we repent of that and we're sorry. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we haven't taken responsibility for our own actions or helped our fellow believers. So Lord, we pray right now that you give us the wisdom to know what's right, and the courage to do what's right. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.